I want you for just a few moments, go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 19. And I'm going to deposit to you what I feel like the Lord has given to me. And then we're going to release the power of God. I believe God's going to touch us again at the end of this, at just in a few moments. I can't get this kid get away from this word. And so I just want to, I just want to drive it home and wrap up this time of encounter in a really tie it up strong. Israel has been in bondage for 400 years. And I want you to know who these people are. This, these people in bondage are the people of God. These are the seed of Abraham. This is the people of covenant. That God said you would be blessed above all the nations of the earth. And that you would walk in that blessing. But as a result of sinfulness and disobedience to God. God even spoke it. He said, I'm going to bring you or I'll lead you into bondage. And for 400 years, you're going to be in bondage. But what transpires in the bondage of 400 years is astounding. Because generation after generation that knew God beforehand no longer knows who He is. I think we heard that over the last couple nights. How that a generation how that we have lost things through the generations that we have let them slip we have let them fail and we as we don't even realize the impact that we as parents have uh, upon somebody i thought it was interesting i don't know if you caught it but i'll say it like this dr cody i'm going to use him for a moment he ministered just like his fathers he was ministering just like his father's. You could stay there all morning, brother. You're not bothering me. I just might hit you in the head when I walk by. But, but he was ministering like his father's. He was operating out of the flow of his spiritual DNA of his father. That's, that's why he was doing. That's how he was ministering. That's why his mandate of certain things to this house. I want you to know this house can clap. Okay? Okay, don't get, I, I, I knew that the other night when he asked us not to clap. You need to understand something. Many are the flows that make glad the river of God, all right? And that was his flow. But this is our flow, all right? So, so I want you to feel free. That expression can come in many different ways. But here's the deal that I want to get back to. He's only operating out of what was handed down to him. That's not a bad thing. That is actually a great thing. But when a father is not there, hello, then we start operating out of what we know or we start operating out of our own flow and many times we miss the flow of God. That's why grandma, grandpa, that's why mom and dad set it in this place. You are so vital. You're not supposed to look like your grandchildren and even your young children. You're supposed to be a grandfather and a grandmother but you're supposed to be imparting that wisdom and that life of the Spirit so that when they get old they know who they are they know but 400 years they've been in the house of Pharaoh they've been in bondage and they have seen the gods of Egypt 
They have watched them. They have seen them. It's been before them constantly as these carved idols and images were constantly before the generation from one generation to another. And when God says, I'm going to bring them out His promise is true. I want to say this to you right here. God gave us a promise years ago. But God is always faithful to His promise that God will do what God said He would do. And 400 years come and God brings them out. And He brings them to a place called Sinai. It was a a matter of fact, I was trying to find the definition of the word Sinai. And one of the places that I found a definition said it was like this. It's a prickly place because it's meant to pierce you for a moment. It's meant to pierce you, to get your attention, to grab who you are. So the first thing that God says to them in Exodus 19, He said, I'm the one that brought you out on eagle's wings and you will be to me a kingdom of priests or you will be a king, yeah, you will be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation before me. And then God says, I'm going to encounter my people. See, encounters aren't just necessarily to make us look good and feel good. Encounters come to transform us to whom we really are. That's why we need an encounter. God said, prepare the people. This whole story is a story of redemption. Did you hear something in the scripture that Pastor Cody kept saying? There's nothing new under the heavens that God is just continuously doing what He started. The whole story of God bringing the children of Israel up out of Egypt, bringing them to Sinai, the tabernacle, is all a picture of restoration. It's redemption and restoration. So God brings them and He says, prepare them in three days. Listen, I heard this this week. You and I better grab it. We don't come before the king in any old way. He said, prepare the people to come before me. Matter of fact, have them wash their clothes. He said, have them wash their clothes. What's the significance of of them washing their clothes? He said, you've got to come before me. If you're going to come in my holy presence and stand before me, you need to get the stuff of the world off of you so that you can come in. It's only a picture of redemption. It's all it is and the work of Christ that goes on in our life. Matter of fact, I don't have time to read every verse that I want to give you for time's sake. I'm just paraphrasing through this real quick. So another place he tells Moses, he said after, he said, Moses, in three days, I'm going to call you to the the top of the mountain. But he said, the people are not to go above this line. He said, a line. He said, you can't go above this. He said, you can't go at less they come up and they die. Here's the whole point in the picture. Listen, there's only one way and one approach unto God, and that's through Jesus. That's basically what he is telling us. You and I just can't come in, crawl up into the mountain, and think that we're on the mountain. That's why the psalmist said, who shall ascend unto the courts of the Lord? But he that had clean hands and a pure heart. God is calling us back to him and back to his way and say, I want you to come before me because a generation is deceived by a sound. We're deceived by a feel-good moment and don't realize that God is nowhere around. 
Matter of fact, he said, set the limits. There's an interesting part of passage there in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 20. Then the Lord said, the Lord came down upon Sinai and the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, go down and warn the people lest they break through to gaze at the Lord and many of them perish. Church, that's an interesting passage. That wasn't Moses' words. That was God's word. Because many are coming into the church just to gaze. But not wanting him. He said, we got to go beyond, I just want to see something. I want to go beyond just gazing at the presence of God. He said, you set the boundaries. They want to see, they want to come up, but they really don't want me. But because of that, listen to what he said. If that's your attitude, that I just want to come and be religious, I just want to come and gaze, I really don't want to participate, I really don't want to be engaged in what God is doing, God said you are on a perishing path hello that's his word not mine and the bible said and Moses came and he talked to the people and the bible said and let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves lest he break out upon them but Moses said to the Lord the people cannot come up to Sinai for you warned the saints set boundaries around the mountain Then the Lord said to him, away, get down, and then come up. Boy, there's a good picture. Because sometimes if you want to get up, you got to first get down. We got to humble ourselves righteously and purely before God, even though we're called and even though we're appointed. God said, get down, Moses, and then come back up. And Moses went back up into the presence of God. And while he's in the top of the mountain, and the mountain is set aglow with thundering and lightnings and a sound of a trumpet, and everybody heard it, and everybody's seen it, and Moses is in the mountain, and God begins to give what we would call the Ten Commandments. You know, the plaque we have on our walls. You know that little thing that we call commandments that we think, oh, we got these and we need them back in the school. Is that really what they are? They're not just 10 suggestions, but they were 10 writings of God. And I want you to understand this this morning because this is the title of my message if I had a title for it. I'm restoring my image. I'm restoring my image and the first thing that has to happen God restores his image on tables of stone the Ten Commandments think about this for a moment he restores Kelsey his image on tables of stone God himself cut this stone and he wrote with his finger on the front and on the back of this stone. Now what is interesting to me is why, when I see things like this, is why did you do it? Why did he establish that first? And listen to the first thing that he said. Thou shall have no other gods before me. 
thou shalt have no other gods before me. Why is that important? There's three aspects or three attributes to why we serve a deity of any kind. I don't care who you are, where you are. There's three attributes that we go after in serving any deity. The first one is this. We recognize them as the source of life and purpose. That's the whole reason of serving a deity, the source of life and purpose. Here's the second attribute that goes to any deity that has given worship. We see them as a source of blessing. We see them as a source of our peace, our joy, our health, our wealth, our provision. Here's the third reason, the third attribute that goes to any deity. We serve them as a source of victory. Without them, we would not have victory. Did you ever notice in that day, in that day, when the armies would go forth, they would go forth with flags of their gods and of their deities because if their flag would go before them, they're saying we are under the covering, we are under the guidance of the God that we serve. You think that the Bible says his banner over us. You ever hear that? His banner over us is love. He's telling us, I'm your banner. I'm the God that goes before you. I'm your victory. Matter of fact, let's bring it home today because we still do it. Our military people go into battle. If we go into front, we may carry a gun. We may carry a lot of things with us. But there's one thing that I think, correct me if I'm wrong you soldiers of the house there's one thing that every one of these soldiers will have on them somewhere on that uniform if it's not on the sleeve if it's not on the pocket if it's not on the hat is the flag of the United States of America which says that this nation is the banner over us and we're looking to victory on the authority of the nation that has sent us in he said I'm God I'm God. You have to understand all these Egyptians God. They're carvings. They're made out of wood and made out of stone. Everywhere they looked, they would see these images. They saw people bowing down to things that would be mice, lice, birds. Did you realize that every plague that God dealt with through the hands of Moses was dealing with the gods of the Egyptians. So if one of them was turning the water into wine, you need to understand that the image they had of a god was the gods of the river. If God was sending lice, you need to understand some. They had an image of that bug. If it was a frog, they had an image of that bug. And if you could only go through history and see the images that were created by the gods of the world that men have worshipped some of you would think you think it's perverted now it would blow your mind to the images that was set up that men and women would bow to and say that's my God but God comes along and he says thou shalt have no other God before me 
Because here's the reality. If you have a messed up image of God, you got a messed up image of yourself. And you can't function if you don't know who the image of your God truly is. He is God. He was revealing himself first. The first time, the first thing that man ever saw was not the cow. And it wasn't the tree. And it wasn't the birds. And it wasn't the sun. But the first thing that the man saw in creation when God created him he looked into the eyes and the face of the one called Elohim but not just Elohim Lord God which means Jehovah Elohim or the God who always is and the God who was and the God who will be and the one that created all things that's the first thing he saw that's the first image he had of God was to see him as creator, to see him as master ruler. You see, we conform. Listen to what I'm going to tell you. We conform to the God that we serve. If we're serving our flesh, we'll conform to our flesh. And man, what a world messed up. That's where relative truth comes. Because the truth isn't. May I say something about this? God is a God of love. We all know that. But before he was a God of love, he's a God of truth. And truth will always trump love. Always. And no matter what. But the world only sees him as a God of love. Why? Because we have a real poor image of who our father is it's interesting to me we don't see him in the old testament right we don't see him in the old testament matter of fact he told moses he said no man can look on me and live not in this flesh not in our carnality but then we see jesus then we see the father through the son who's the express image but you know here's the image of jesus He's the, he's the lowly shepherd carrying the sheep on his, on his shoulder. We see him as that loving, caring, compassionate shepherd. But then you got to look at the other picture. Because John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And John saw another picture. He didn't see him coming in lowly shepherd robes. But he saw one that he said his raiment was as bright as the sun. His eyes were like flames of fire. He spoke and his voice was like many waters. He stood not as a lowly shepherd. But he stood as a king and a judge. If you don't have... Have a proper image of who God is. You'll never function properly in who you are. It's all connected. And I believe that's why God put it. Can I, can I say this to you as well? The Ten Commandments just didn't show up here. May I tell you, He had already spoke that to Adam. How do you know that? Because when the enemy come to deceive Eve, she immediately speaks up and says, God said, we shall not touch it lest we die. Because he touched the 10th commandment. I didn't think about this now. Y'all correct me later. He touched the 10th commandment. What is the 10th commandment? Thou shalt not covet your neighbor's stuff, 
You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. In other words, you don't need to worry and get all messed up about what they got because you already got it. Listen to what he said. You already got it. So what did the enemy come to do? He come and he touched the last, he let the last commandment to get her to say, I don't have what he has, but he had already told them they had what he has. And instead, she was convinced they didn't. Hello? They already had it. This wasn't new. It was in their hearts. It was in their spirit. It was in their DNA until sin entered into the camp. So what does God start doing? God starts writing it, not as an idol, not on, not on a pole, not on the side of a mountain, not, not on a, this, but God put it on, put it on a, a table of stone that Moses could carry. He said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. He said, thou shalt have no other. There is no other. None other. That's the image that we've got to come to. We've got to see that there is no other God like him. The second commandment is this. Don't worry, I'm not going to deal with all ten. Just a few of them. He said, thou shalt not make any. You shall not make any graven image. Matter of fact, what are you going to compare to God? You're going to put his face up there like a bird. You're going to put his face up there like a cow. You're going to put his face up there like a bear. Even you're going to put him up there like an eagle and say that's God. I'm telling you, if that's how the image of your God is, you just limited him beyond what you can imagine. I want to tell you who the God is you serve. He is omnipresent. He's not limited to a pole. He's not limited to the side of a mountain. He's here with us. He's on the other side of creation. He's on the other side of the world. He's wrapped around Mars and Pluto and Venus and all the other planets. He's holding every star. He's an omnipresent God, present everywhere. Hello. He's not only omnipresent, he's omnipotent. He knows everything and he's all powerful and there's not one thing that God cannot do. He's all-knowing, all-powerful. He's an all-sufficient God that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or think. You better get him off that wall. You better get him off that pole. His image, he didn't limit it to anything. Matter of fact, he didn't draw a picture. He didn't draw a picture. He wrote words. He said, I'm God. And there's none like me. You know why he did that? Because he wrote that again. He wrote that image on the heart of every one of us. So when we go into a world, they're going to see a God that is omnipresent. They're going to see a God that is, um, that is omniscient. They're going to see a God that is um, omnip- uh, 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 omnipotent. They're going to thank you. They're going to see this God that is omni-everything. Hallelujah. Yes. Don't you bring him down to your level. Don't you bring him down to this level. He said, I'm God. In the book of Numbers 28, he said, I'm not. He said, I am God. I am not man that I should lie. Neither am I the son of man that I should have to repent. Don't you dare bring him down to our level. Don't you dare bring him down. But see, if your image is messed up, 
because you got bad feelings and your feelings are messed up, you'll be messed up with the God that's not messed up. Because you'll think he can't do it. He won't do it. Not willing to do it. That's why we get all this goofy stuff going on. Because we're measuring him to our feelings when he is higher and greater and far above all of our feelings. Don't bring him down. He's the same yesterday. He's the same yesterday. Today and forever. Don't bring him down to our level. I'm telling you, if you, you create whatever your image of him is, is the image that you follow. If you see him as weak, you yourself walk in weakness and you expect weakness. If you see him as powerful, then you yourself will walk in that powerfulness that he is. The Bible proves it to us in the book of Romans chapter 1, verse 18. You guys throw it up. I didn't give you anything to put on the wall this morning. Are y'all okay? Y'all been here every night. You've done real good. But listen to what the word said. Verse 18 of Romans 1. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. Because, or for the next verse 20, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Man, if you think your God isn't great, man, you tell me how a brown cow can sit on a green field and eat that grass and give us white milk. If you think your God isn't great, then you tell me how that great tree out there can all of a sudden go from green leaves and turn into some of the most brilliant colors that you and I could ever imagine that leaf fall off and then in a few months later, all of a sudden, bam, it begins to sprout again. You tell me my God ain't great. Listen Listen, ladies, listen, mamas in this house. You tell me God isn't great that he can take the seed of a man, put in your womb and allow your body to get distorted and contorted and twisted. And in the inside of you, a human being will begin to grow and develop and then allow you to bring it forth even in the midst of pain and give it a few months and you're rejoicing. I want another one. Hello, why do you think you got the number of kids you got? I know we make, I, you, you know that becomes, we guys, we don't understand that. And if it was left up to God, there'd never be a kid on the planet, I promise you. But who but God? Who but God could do something like that? Who but God could be so creative? I can't even draw a number of different kind of stick men. But I look around this room, I'm telling you, God is so creative, it's, it just blows my mind. Every one of us look different. He can give us different accents. He can give us different colors. He can give us different colors of eyes, give us different sizes, different shapes. All of this stuff goes around, and it's all by the handiwork of God. Tell me who but God could do such a thing as this. I mean, Adam, after all, 18 years ago, last night, around 6 o'clock, you said, I do, to this lovely young lady up here. And she looked at that handsome young man back there and said, I do. Who would have ever thought that God had a family over here 
and a family over there and somehow put a seed in both of them and bring forth a fruit and that fruit would get together and bring forth that young man sitting there and that young lady sitting back. Don't tell me God isn't creative and powerful. Only God could do such a thing. But you see, the Bible said they changed. I got to get back to my verse. I don't want to be like Pastor Cody all over the place. I got to stay right here. I got to get this jet down. Listen. He said they saw it by the things that were seen. Even his eternal Godhead. So that they are without excuse. And because they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. They weren't thankful and became futile. No, we better deal with that right there real quickly. Just, Just sprang up in me. That thankfulness isn't you getting up. Okay, thank you, Lord, for a good day. That's not what he's talking about. You really want to, I really believe that. I didn't have thought about this until I just saw this as I'm reading. He's not talking about us just getting up with the net. He's talking about our pursuit of him. He would even take us back to the feast of Israel that they would come before him. And part of those feasts were to always show their thankfulness unto their God. They were unthankful. They didn't pursue and became futile. Notice what happened. It began to diminish their thoughts of God and their hearts became foolish. They begin to be wise in their own eyes, but were fools. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like corruptible man, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Listen to what he said, who exchanged the truth for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. I sat on a panel last week in St. Louis, Missouri with a group of leaders and every question thrown was issues that are dealing with in our world. Dealing from gun control to STDs to that sexual transmitted disease to Everything you could imagine. And political issues. Every question, not all of them, but a lot of them. Answers were, were proactive about this. And this is how we're dealing with it in our society. And I felt like, matter of fact, I even made this statement. I said, I guess I'm going to be old school here. But here's the reality. Why are we dealing this with this thing here? In a church setting. If this isn't a spiritual issue. If it's a social issue, let's get it out of here. Why are we dealing with it here? Because we realize that it's more spirit than it is social. And we'll never get the social issues dealt with until we are willing to deal with the spirit of a man's heart to get him right before God and to acknowledge to a nation that there is only one true God. We've been branded in our nation that we are no longer a Christian nation, but we are a nation of Hindus and Muslims and this and that. But I'm here to declare to you, they can say it all they want but it's time for the church to rise up and say that there is one true God and we do not share his image with another 
He said, you'll not take his name in vain. That was the third one. You'll not take his name in vain. We throw his name around like it's nothing. We just use it. Israel was afraid to even speak the name. They wouldn't even use the name. They wouldn't say the name Jehovah. They wouldn't because of fear of dishonoring God and fear of dying. But we throw it around in our vocabulary like it's, it's whatever. But I want to tell you something. His name declares His attributes. His name, when you and I use the name, if we mishandle the name, We're mishandling everything about the Lord. We're mishandling who He is. We're making Him worthless and empty and nothing. But I want to tell you how God identified Himself through the Scriptures. In the book of Daniel, when He gave Daniel that great prophecy of end times, He identified Himself three different times. He said, I'm the Ancient of Days. I thought, Lord, what are you talking about? You're the Ancient of Days. Have you ever heard that, wondered what it meant? I did. I didn't know. I had to do some research and find out. He said, before there was any days, I was. Before there ever was a day, I am. Come on, church. You better understand what his name means this morning. He identified himself in the beginning as Elohim. In the beginning, God created. The master creator. He identified himself to Adam as Lord God. As Lord God, which means he was the master ruler God. The master ruler creator. He's identified in the scripture as Adonai, which means he is the master owner. He's revealed as Jehovah. He's the God that is eternal. He's the God that was before all things and will be the God after all things. His name listen, his name is El Shaddai. He is the Almighty. He is the one that is all sufficient. He's the breasty one. He's the one that can provide everything that we have need of. He gave us a number of covenant names. He said I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that healeth thee. I I am Jehovah Jireh. I'm the Lord your provider. I'm Jehovah Sidkenu. I'm the Lord your righteousness. I'm Jehovah Makedish. I'm the Lord your sanctifier. I'm Jehovah Shalom. I'm the Lord your peace. I'm Jehovah. I'm Jehovah Rohi, the Lord your shepherd. I'm Jehovah Nisi. I'm the Lord your banner. I'm the Lord your victory. His name is to be exalted. He's given us a name when you can't keep up with all those. He said, I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to give you a name that is above every name. And at that name, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that He is Lord. And that name is Jesus. He's my Savior. He's my Savior, my Deliverer. He's my all in all. He's my everything. Come on, church. He is. He is. He is. It's Jesus. Don't you change my image. Don't you dare change who He is. He's God. He's God. He's to be feared. Matter of fact, He said, I give this to you so that you will not sin before me. And while Moses is on that mountain, just stay, I'm wrapping this thing up. Just stay where you are. Don't sit down. While Moses is on that mountain, been gone too long, they come and begin to say, hey, where's this Moses? See, they're so used to following a false image. 
They just heard him on the mountain said, Moses, we can't go up there. You, you better go up lest we die. But 40 days pass. See, it don't take long for you to get messed up in your head. You get out of his presence. Come on, church, you better hear me. Some of you are playing around. I'm being very real with you. God's encountering us. And he's calling us back to himself, but we're playing around. And life causes us to leak out. Come on, it just does. I had to battle here on third, what night? Friday night. I had to battle here with my wife in the hospital, desiring to be in the presence of God. I wish I could tell you I was floating on the cloud. But while I'm in here, my heart is back there. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Life is dealing with me. Life is dealing. Man, the next morning. Then I just felt like, oh God, I got to get before the presence of God. I felt so empty. I don't know how some of you make it. You're like Brill Cream, a little dab of doomy. Just run it through my hair. And if I can hang on, I'm telling you, it's time for you to stir yourself. It's time for you to shake yourself. We need the presence of Almighty God. We need to be before Him. You're leaking out. And you wonder where He's at. God, you don't love me. You don't like me. You're messed up in your emotions. Messed up in your feelings. Because of life. I'm not condemning you. We all deal with it. Bad pastors had to deal. He shared it with me. Can I sh- had to deal with incredible fear. Going through the surgery. Then just a week or two ago. Bam! It hits him in his chest. Don't think it didn't cause fear to rip up. Holy man of God like that? Every one of us deal with this stuff. If I don't stay in that flow, in the greatness of God, while there, he's up there, people down here. Did you ever think about where they got the jewels at? Y'all know, don't you? Because God said, I'm going to bring you out and I'm going to bring you with the wealth of the Egyptian. But you know what they did with it? Instead of carrying it out, they put it on. Instead of carrying it to God, they put it on and began to identify with those gods of the Egyptians. Because a little bit later, this is, this is cool too. You ought to read this story again. There's so much good stuff in it. That God is upset. And if you don't think God gets upset, you're mistaken. Read the book. He looks at Moses and he said, Your people you brought out. Matter of fact, he wouldn't even take claim to them now. It's in there. Read it. Your people you brought out are fooling around. And Moses gets right back. But he said, you're the one that sent me to get your people. That's what he did. And he took those stones. Took that stone with the writings, the image of God on it. Moses, in his anger, not out of holiness, but in his anger, He dropped them and busted them. And when he came down, he said, take that jewelry off of yourself and bring it here. 
And he put it into the fire and he crushed it up and threw it into the water. And he commanded them to drink of it. And then he told, he said, who's going to stand for the Lord? And a group of Levites came and said, we're standing for God. I wonder who's in the house is going to stand for the Lord. And they took off their, they come before Moses. He said, now let's do some judgment. And 3,000, and when you want to count that, there had to be more. Because of the fact the Bible said 3,000 men died that, what, that day. And it was more than likely that them, their wives and children and everything they had were wiped out at that moment before God. God calls Moses back. See, I believe it's a picture of the garden again. It was in man... And man sinned against God and broke the image of God. And God calls him back to the mountain. Come back up, Moses. And Moses goes up. But this time God said, Moses, cut a rock. You bring it this time. And Moses brings a rock to God, which represents humanity. Jesus coming to the earth in the form of flesh and God writes his image of his son on that stone and if you read through the scripture this time God says through this I'm going to make a covenant with my people that I'll be merciful that I'll be gracious to them I'll extend my love instead of just totally destroying them I'll extend my love to them. Now Moses, carry it down to the people. You want the glory? You want the glory? Go read the scripture. When Moses came, this time, Moses is carrying the stone. Again, I want to remind you, why wasn't it put on a pole? Why wasn't it on the side of a mountain? Why wasn't it engraved into a building? That's why God was very meticulous about how he would have things built. Because it was to be carried around in the person of every one of us that go, that we carry the image of Christ. That when our families and when the world sees us, they see God. And when Moses came off the mountain, Josh, the Bible said, get back, get back. The people said, cover yourself. We can't. Moses didn't know that his face glowed with the glory of God. See, when the image is right, the glory connects to the image. Jesus in Hebrews, the express image of the Father. We see a cloud and we think it's glory. I'm not saying it's not. It could very well be. We see gold dust and we think, well, that's got to be it. But pure glory is connected. When the image is right and being carried, you won't have to tell people. They'll see it upon you. You and I will glow with the glory of God. He said, I'm restoring my image. I believe there's people in this room. Your image has been messed up. Your image of God has been messed up. And it has messed up your image. And all that God is asking for us today is, he said, I want you to present yourself. Peter said it like this. You are 
lively stones. I want a lively stone that God said, well, let me put my finger upon him and let me write my words in him so that my image will be seen through him. God said, I'm looking for lively stones. I wonder if I've got some lively stones in this house. I'm here to let you know this morning, God's finger is going to write on you this morning. I believe it with all my heart. I believe there's some of us in this room. We've been in bondage so long, we don't even realize it. That we've adapted to the way of the Egyptians. We've adapted to, to bondage. We've become a slave within ourselves and don't realize that I'm free, but I'm walking around because my image of myself is so messed up. I do not even know how to serve God properly. This is how we're going to end today. This call is to everybody in this room you want to be one of those stones that God's going to put his finger on and he's going to write his image into your life so that you will be a carrier of his glory I want you to step from where you are and I want you to make your way to this altar right now we're not going to tarry we're not going to fight we're not going to push I want you to come and you're going to present yourself before God come on this is a God thing this morning we're going to come in just a moment as the Lord leads. And we're going to lay hands on as many of you. We're going to come through. But I want you to just begin to make yourself available to God. God, put your image. Matter of fact, it would be a good place to start. Is a place of repentance. And just say, God, where we have created images. Where we've created images that are not pure. Matter of fact, let's do that right here. Let's just begin that way. Just begin to repent. I can't repent for you. But God, where I have put an image of you, that's not right. Where I put an image of you. Lord, I repent this morning. When we've carried that image into this house, that's not you. That's not you. Hallelujah. Pia Dad said the Lord just give her this word. 41 minutes ago, she wrote it under the unction of the Holy Ghost. That would have been right when I was speaking. A new heart also I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you. <coughs> and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. And it just went away. Here it is. Watch, cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them and you shall dwell in the land that I gave your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God hallelujah hallelujah come on lift your hands to heaven